Good morning. Today's reading is Acts chapter 9, verses 3 to 9, the conversion of Saul. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right, good morning. It's really good to see you all here this morning. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church Tucson. And uh, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, um, just a heads up, I have a speech impediment, so it'll kind of come in and out as we go. It has nothing to do with the fact that this is the one Sunday or maybe even one day a year that I wear a tie. Um, I don't know how, how many of you guys wear these things every day. Um, I got props for you. But um, I actually officiated a wedding last night and had to wear one of these last night. So I think I broke a record for uh, my life wearing a tie in two days in a row. But this is, we, I'm doing that. And we, uh, if you notice, have a lot of kind of difference in this morning because this is a day that we really set aside every year to acknowledge and recognize the good news that Jesus is risen from the dead. And as we will look at, yeah, and some of us, we can't even contain that, uh, that, 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 that exuberance and excitement and celebration even as we hear that. And, and I want to encourage that even this morning because those of you who were with us on Good Friday, you remember, and for those of you that weren't, let me just kind of set the tone, we really left here intentionally contemplative. It was dark, we had red lights, there was a red sash on the cross, and, 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 and though we knew Easter was coming, right, we knew that over 2,000 years ago this event all took place, and Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the dead, and our tendency is to kind of go, 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 and just go to what's next, and not sit and consider the reality, the implications of where we are, and so in order to rightly understand what we're celebrating today, we, we rightly understood the horror of Jesus, God the Son, the creator of heaven and earth, hanging dead on a cross. And so we intentionally spent some time there and we left it, it was nuts. We had a, a couple hundred people leaving this place silently, quietly. And yet that informs our celebration today. And with that, I wanna take a, a moment even to acknowledge that we have some kids in here. Kids, can you guys say hi? Yeah, you, let, help, help teach your parents and the rest of us, what it looks like to get into our time in church, okay? We don't have to sit here all quietly and somberly, and right? If I, if I say amen, you can say amen back. Amen? amen. All right, that, okay, we need some help here. Some of the adults need help uh, getting involved, all right? I've shared this before. I was baptized in a predominantly African-American Pentecostal church, so we, we got after it, right? We responded when the pastor called for a response. So we're going to continue working on that this morning. Amen? Amen? All right, we're there. Um, 
So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 9 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and hold your hand up high and keep it up. If you don't have a Bible and you want one to follow along with, keep your hand up and somebody will get you a Bible. También si quieres la Biblia en español y no tienes, por favor levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Hechos capítulo 9. So um, again, I want to make sure everyone has a Bible they can follow along and read along with in uh, their own heart language. And uh, so again, keep your hand up high, hold it up high, somebody will get you a Bible. I can help too if we need. And um, as we get there, this, this is neat that maybe we put some effort into it, I'll admit, but also as we're walking through Acts, we're, walk, we're spending an entire year in the book of Acts together as a church, and as we looked at it, we laid out the calendar, we saw that on Easter Sunday, we would be looking at this scripture that we're in this morning, because what we've seen throughout Acts, let me just kind of bring everyone here up to speed, is though in your Bible, it might say at the very beginning, the Acts of the Apostles, we've seen over the last few months that clearly this is the acts of God, the mighty works of God on display. Yes, through his people, so far most of whom have been his apostles, his, his called and commissioned followers, specifically these, these 12, but we've seen more clearly than anything else the works of God on display. And it's been on a cosmic level. We've seen thousands of people put their faith in him. We've seen people who are lame, who are not like our usage of the word lame in our day, like lame, you know, nerdy, whatever, like lame, disabled, unable to walk. And in that moment, in that instance, God deciding to reveal his power and his love by healing. And we've seen people broken and then reconciled through the good news of Jesus. And so what we'll see this morning is God honing in on one person. Jesus, risen from the dead, revealing himself, revealing his good news. That, the word gospel, if you've ever heard that, if you've ever been around church, you hear gospel. That's what it means, is good news. And Jesus, revealing his good news of having conquered sin and death and risen from the dead and revealing himself to one man, Saul. And let me ask us to consider Jesus risen from the dead, revealing himself to us, to you this morning. So with that, let me pray and ask God to lead us and oversee our time as we come humbly before his word and expect that he will reveal himself, the risen Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we invite you and ask you to oversee our time. You're so clearly here. You're all present. You're all knowing. You're all good. And yet we ask that you would enable, illuminate our hearts and our minds to see you clearly. As we'll see in the scripture, Saul wandering away a completely different direction and then you revealing yourself to him and him being forever changed. So we pray hopefully and expectantly, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, through your word preached, that we will have no other opportunity, no other um, thing to do than to respond accordingly in worship and in faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pick up with me in Acts chapter 9, moving along right now in verse 1. But Saul 
still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice. Saul was on a particular trajectory. We've just read back in chapter 8, just to, just to re- reveal some of, the, some of the, the, the weight of who this guy is. It says that he was ravaging the church. So this isn't like he was a pretty good guy. He had his moral, you know, compass set in the right direction. He just needed a little bit of help, and then he'd be a Christian, you know, kind of help just connect some of the dots. This guy was, was clearly running away from Jesus. He was on his own trajectory, if you will. That word ravaging back in chapter 8 brings to mind the imagery of like wild dogs who got a hold of some meat, or in our context in Tucson, some javelinas, right? I met someone this morning from Illinois. Some of my family's here from San Diego. They're like, what is that? It's, it looks like a pig. It's actually a rodent, apparently, but these things, like, you run away from. They might look cute and cuddly. They may or may not, but, like, run away, okay? Wait, you, some of you guys see, like, after Halloween, they get a hold of some pumpkins that are left out on a porch, and they just go wild. Well, that's the imagery of Saul ravaging the church, and yet, suddenly, Jesus reveals himself to him. Now, my, 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 my hunch is that most of us here this morning aren't, like, ravaging the church, right? Hopefully not. And we're not on that same kind of trajectory, but all of us, we're told even in Scripture, if left to our own vices, have our own trajectory, our own plan, our own ideas. In fact, in the very beginning, though God created us to know him intimately, to walk with him, to have our identity and our purpose, or even that word that we just heard, way, our way, defined by him, we're told in scripture that we have all, like sheep, turned astray. We've all gone our own way. When sin entered into the world, essentially sin means not God. It means, no thanks, God, I don't want anything to do with you. I want to find my own way. I want to pave my own path, if you will. I want to go according to my own trajectory in my life. And we've all wandered away from God. And so all of us, we see it clearly displayed in someone like Saul, but all of us, apart from God's intervention, are walking away. So I want to ask you this morning, honestly, Everyone in this room, whether you have called on the name of Jesus and you would consider yourself to be a Christian, a follower, or as we saw here, according to the way, that's what they were called early on because Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So early on, before they were called Christians, they were called those who participated in the way or followers of Jesus. And, and, so, and so what way have you been going? Perhaps this week, this year, this semester, for our students, whomever. Have you been wandering away from him? Because this morning, I am absolutely confident that Jesus is revealing himself to us. What happened here to Saul? He's going his own way, his own direction. He's got his life all figured out. He's got his morality set because he's an ultra-religious person, and he knows what he's doing, and, and he's going, and then suddenly... He hears a voice. 
and a bright light shone around him. And he falls to the ground, verse 4, falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So Saul is going, and when he comes face to face, when he sees Jesus rightly, clearly, he's floored. He's knocked to his feet. Let me submit to all of us this morning that when you and I see Jesus rightly, risen from the dead, we are humbled, knocked off our horse, fallen to the ground, and we see him. Perhaps you have experienced that at some point in your life. Perhaps maybe you've had a distorted view of Jesus. Maybe you've kind of seen, you know, t-shirts, Jesus is my homeboy, or, you know, you've seen a cross, and you've kind of grown numb to it, oh yeah, Jesus, you know, or you've heard it used as a cuss word, or you've heard it just used as, you know, whatever it might be, and you just kind of dismiss, oh yeah, Jesus, whatever. Well, Saul even, let's be clear here, this guy, Saul, he knew Jesus. He heard the name, clearly. He was, he was a religious person. He'd been around Jerusalem. He'd heard of these things. He had his own idea of who Jesus was, perhaps like many of us in this room this morning. Oh yeah, I know Jesus. I know what comes to me. My homeboy, a good moral teacher, a good example, you know, a cuss word, whatever it might be. I've got my own version of Jesus. But when you come face to face with the real Jesus, risen from the dead, not someone that we get to define, not a figment of our own imaginations, but the real Jesus who came and died on a cross. And Saul knew that too. Oh yeah, Jesus, the one who died on the cross. In his case, he thought of him more as a pathetic figure. Oh yeah, one of many who overpromises and underdelivers. Yeah, I remember this Jesus proclaiming this good news, this good life, this gospel, this new kingdom he talked about, that all of life would be defined by him and what he says, how life should be lived. And Jesus, who, 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 who talked about marriage and relationship and identity and sexuality and work and hobbies. But, I mean, I'll take what I want to take and leave the rest that I don't really want to apply to my life because... He died on a cross, and then he was taken down, he was put in a tomb, and according to his wrong understanding, he stayed there. So he's going his own trajectory until he meets Jesus risen from the dead. And when Jesus reveals himself, risen from the dead, victorious, if you see him rightly, you are floored. You're stopped in your tracks. And so Saul, he doesn't have, he can do no other than to respond rightly, right? He asks it in the form of a question, but he doesn't say, oh, Jesus, the one, let me tell you who you are. Oh, yeah, Jesus, I know who you are. Jesus, the, the, the t-shirt, the bumper sticker, the guru, whatever it might be. He says, Jesus, who, who are you, Lord? And Jesus tells him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Jesus authoritatively, victoriously, tells Saul who he is and tells him what he has in store for him. Again, Saul is going his own way, and when he meets Jesus, he can do no other than to respond humbly, submitting 
to him and to his will and say, who are you, Lord? And then to be told authoritatively, lovingly, yes. Authoritatively, yes. Jesus risen from the dead. Let me say, too, what I talked about earlier. If Jesus was a good spiritual leader, a guru, if he rose from the, if he didn't raise from the dead, if he died on a cross, he had some good things to say, he was a good example, what many of us think of when we hear the name of Jesus, and sadly, let me just be the first to kind of air our own dirty laundry within the church to, you know, what many of us even in the church kind of embrace and operate under. Ah, here's some, here's 10 steps to a happier life. You know, if it's comfortable, take it. If not, deny it, whatever. You know, here's a suggestion. That version of Jesus, I understand. Yeah, leave them or take what you want, leave what you want. But this event that we celebrate on this day, every Sunday, by the way, every day is Easter Sunday, amen? Jesus is risen from the dead. Now, let me tell you, if he didn't really rise from the dead, we're told in 1 Corinthians, we're foolish. We should be pitied, laughed at. You know, some of you maybe have a more philosophical mind. You maybe embrace this like Pascal's wager. Blaise Pascal, French theologian, talked about, you know, there's more good than bad. So, you know, raise your kids in church, right? Everybody needs a little church. Everybody needs a little Christianity. Hey, this is America, so I'm a Christian because I'm American. And as long as I, you know, do a couple right things, whatever, who cares? That's our, our dismissive perspective. And let me... Again, according to Scripture, unless Jesus rose from the dead, that's, that's pathetic. Le- eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Like, don't waste your time trying to be a good person. Don't waste your time doing the right thing. If, if Jesus didn't really raise from the dead, then what he said should be dismissed and perhaps even laughed at. But Jesus risen from the dead is the watershed event in all of human history. If he really rose from the dead, and he did, then everything he has to say about everything, sexuality, life, work, hobby, marriage, relationship, anxiety, identity, purpose, warrants our absolute attention and our submission. I don't know anyone here from Colorado or been to Colorado. I know some people here. I just learned about this. Well, there's what's called the Continental Divide there and this, this, this spot. There's a particular mountain where you can see. And I didn't realize, I've heard this idea of a w- water shed, right? Water falls on a shed and it goes one of two directions. Well, we see it even on a grander scale in Colorado at the Continental Divide and, and, this, and, and snow falls and on one side of the mountain it goes and it melts and it goes into streams and rivers and it goes into the Atlantic Ocean and on the other side it does the same and goes into the Pacific Ocean. That peak, if you will, is the place where everything is defined and decided upon. Similarly, that image needs to come to mind when we consider the resurrection of Jesus. This day, Easter Sunday, let me tell you, everything that has come in human history from the very beginning, 
has led up to the event of Jesus dying on the cross and then raising from the dead as he said he would. And everything thereafter, hear me, church, including today, April 16, 2017, is defined and informed by Jesus risen from the dead. And uh, in Saul's perspective, this is maybe a coincidence. <laughs> He's blown off his feet. He's like, I was going a particular trajectory. I was doing my own thing. Boom, I met Jesus risen from the dead. Perhaps that's some of us here this morning, right? You were struggling to get your tie on like me. You were struggling to pick out your, your, your colors, you know, colorblind people like some of our friends here. I know, and, you know, trying to match, or perhaps like us, trying to get your kids out, or, you know, giving them sugar, tons of it, and then just continuing to give them more sugars to keep them happy because they're going to crash and, you know, whatever it might be, and then going, and you're doing your own thing, and then you're thinking about Easter afterward, and what are you going to eat, you know, and what, you know, you're just kind of going along, and then boom, suddenly, Jesus reveals himself to you. Well, now another character is introduced here where we get a picture of the bigger authoritative reality of Jesus. That he's overseeing every human interaction and it just enables us to see all the more the implications of Jesus risen from the dead. Picking up in verse 10, it kind of switches scenes, if you will. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Again, a common response when you see Jesus risen from the dead. Right? If you have any other vision, any other, any other thing in your mind, when you think of Jesus, then you could respond however you want. But if Jesus really rose from the dead, you can do no other than to say, here I am, Lord. I submit to you. Tell me who you are and what you are calling me to do. And so Ananias responds, here I am, Lord. And, and, and then Jesus goes on to, to, to lead him into this whole plan. He says, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he's praying and he's seen a vision. A man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Because, you know, Jesus, like, did his thing again. I showed myself in all my glory again. I revealed my, my incredible majesty, and someone was blinded here. And Ananias is like, okay. But he mentions Saul. And Ananias is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, go back there real quick, Jesus. Like, yes, okay, you're Lord. But this guy, I, I've heard of him. You know, he has a reputation. Uh, he, he kills Christians. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of the way, right? That word Christian hadn't been used yet. I'm a follower of the way, and he's actually here right now. Like, I know you're Lord and all, but maybe you didn't get the memo, right? Maybe you're not on the up and up right now, Jesus. You don't know all this, so let me inform you. And Jesus, as he does, authoritatively and lovingly, puts him in his place and tells him, no, no, I have, I, I have it all worked out. Go and, go and pray for him. Trust me, Jesus says. But Ananias' first response reveals something that, again, is likely true of many of us in this room today, or perhaps all of us. He thinks Saul is too far gone. He's, he's heard about this guy. Ah, 
Again, if, maybe if you fall in this particular camp and you're pretty good and you're morally nice, you know, you help old ladies across the street, you do things, you know, you do your thing, you're, you're kind of kind, you, like, I could have, let me just share with you a little bit my day yesterday. I, I like, I, I preach pretty consistently here that we are broken. You guys who come consistently know my, like, my stuff, my junk, if you will. We have kids in here. I won't say any other descriptive words, but you guys know, like, I'm not perfect. I share that authentically with you guys, and you see that. Yesterday, if ever there was a day to, like, really kind of cliche do that, it was that day. I woke up early, went for a run, came back, found a little puppy wearing a sweater, and after I laughed at it, um, <laughs> I, I actually picked it up, which I don't even pick up my own dog, and um, I picked it up, and I walked it home. My wife was laughing when I walked in the door, like, carrying this puppy. And then, you know, we found its owner, went to the vet, all that stuff. And then my neighbor across the street was moving and doing yard work, and I was like, I'm going to keep this trend going here. I'm like, I'm going to get more Boy Scout badges, right? Like, I skipped out on that when I was nine. I'm going to make up for lost time now. And I went across the street, helped my neighbor Right? When we think of those kinds of things, like, yeah, that's the kind of person, right? That's a Christian, you know, whatever, but not a religious extremist militant. That's Saul. Right? How, how many of us read about Paul, right? His name gets changed, and we think, in our day, who would he be like? He's a religious extremist militant, but he's too far gone. Maybe, maybe, maybe this good news of Jesus doesn't reach that far. Well, I think Jesus would beg to differ. Who else do you think of as too far gone? A family member? A neighbor? A friend? Perhaps yourself. Perhaps you're saying right now, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's been done to me. Jesus clearly doesn't want anything to do with me. And you're right, I don't know your story. But God does. Your creator does. According to scripture, you have been fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together, woven together, even in your mother's womb. Every number of hairs on your head is counted and known. Every number of days in your life has been planned out. And that same God who created you so intimately is revealing himself to you this morning. Jesus risen from the dead. And the question is, how will you respond to him? Do you think you're too far gone? Let me share a couple of other people who perhaps thought that. I read in an article this week, it was a whole article and had a number, it had 12 different people's stories. They're testimonies. That's just a churchy word for a, a story. Okay, people's stories of how they encountered and came to know Jesus. And here's just a couple of headlines of these people. One man who was a bank robber said, after I surrendered to the FBI, I surrendered to the Holy Spirit. A Muslim imam said, Christ called me off the minaret an NFL football player said, pro football was my God until a teammate showed up at my locker. And then another man, a businessman who was a refugee, an immigrant to the United States said, let me tell you about how I became the first ever Christian in my family lineage. 
I bet you before Jesus revealed himself risen from the dead, these people would have said, I'm too far gone. Perhaps other people who encountered them or met them would have said, ah, that person's probably too far gone. Even Saul, let me read to you what he wrote with his own hand in 1 Timothy, after his name was changed, Jesus said, I've got plans for you. I'm authoritative. I love you. I'm going to change your name because you're mine now. Right? If Jesus really rose from the dead, he can do that kind of thing. <laughs> right? He can say, yeah, your, your trajectory, your plans were this way. You had it all mapped out. But let me tell you some good news, Jesus says. I died on the cross for you. I laid my life down for you. Whatever you have done and whatever has been done to you has been nailed to that cross and death has been put to death. And Jesus says, I have victoriously risen from the dead. And he's revealing himself to you and calling for a response. Amen? Amen. Here's what Saul wrote. I am the foremost of sinners. He would agree. You don't know my story. I've overseen murder. A religious militant. You don't know my story. And he gets that. I am the foremost of sinners, he says. But, one of the best words in the Bible is but. But God is actually so often put. We were going this way, but God intervenes and reveals himself and his goodness and his power and his authority. Though Saul was the foremost of sinners, the worst of the worst, he would say, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, he's not ashamed of his story. He's not ashamed of where he's been. He's not ashamed of what he's done. He's not ashamed even of what has been done to him because he understands that in God's goodness, he is bringing it all together to accomplish something much greater, to bring this wayward person into his incredible and glorious plan. And he says, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience for an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Jesus reveals himself to Saul 2,000 plus years ago in order to accomplish a plan of cosmic proportion for the entire world to hear the good news of Jesus. We're told earlier in Acts, Jesus himself saying, my plan is for my good news to go forward, first in Jerusalem, and then into Judea, and then into Samaria, and then even to the ends of the earth, including 2017, Tucson, Arizona. And he's got plans for Saul, even down in verse 15, he says, no, no, I've got plans that, 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 that this guy will be an instrument of mine, Jesus says, to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I've got plans for him, Jesus says, to reveal myself. Jesus, risen from the dead, revealing himself to wayward people. Let me ask us here as we close, how are you going to respond to him? Face to face with Jesus risen from the dead this morning to the wayward Christian. Perhaps you have put your faith in Jesus before. You've, you've said a prayer, you've given your life to him, but you have wandered. You've forgotten the name of Jesus, the reality of Jesus, the good news of Jesus has perhaps maybe lost some zeal 
Maybe you've forgotten that he rose from the dead and you've kind of moved into a place of a guru, advisor, good example, Jesus. What does it look like for you this morning to respond to him, risen from the dead, revealing himself to you, calling him, calling you to himself? Will you say, yes, Lord, here I am, I respond, you are risen, you are all-powerful, you are all-good. I give my life to you again, anew. To the wayward person in here who's perhaps never put their faith in Jesus. Perhaps you've never heard this good news. Perhaps you've never heard of God's radical love for you. That though we are all enemies of God, God demonstrates his love and that he sent his son Jesus to die. Perhaps this morning he's wooing you to himself. How will you respond? Will you also say you are all good and all, all powerful? I've been wandering. I've been wayward. I've had a different view of you. I've used you or dismissed you or even like Saul perhaps persecuted you, but today you've revealed yourself to me, risen from the dead. I can do no other than to say, yes, Lord, here I am. For all of us now, as we respond, let me encourage us, there will be a, continue to be a celebratory atmosphere in here. There will be people in the back there toward the back aisles who would love to pray with you if you want to recommit your life to Jesus, if you want to celebrate and just bring someone else into it. You want prayer, you want to ask for prayer, you have more questions, you want to put your faith in Jesus and respond to him for the first time this morning and say, I've been wayward, I've been wandering, I had it all wrong. I had you pegged very differently. But Jesus, you've revealed yourself this morning. We will all now respond. Let me ask us actually to stand now as we did earlier, symbolically. Stand with me now as we respond together, communally, to the good news that Jesus is not dead. The crown of thorns is still there, you may notice, but it's there now as a reminder, even a relic that Jesus doesn't wear that crown on his head, but he says, I willingly took that crown of thorns on my head for you. And now we see white, we see light, we see the reminder that Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He has risen. Amen? Let's pray together and continue in our time of celebratory, life-altering, history-shaping Good news of Jesus, risen from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. For those of us in this room who have thought very differently of you. Again, perhaps things we've done, things that have been done to us, our environment, our context, our family, our upbringing, whatever it might be, we have seen you very differently. And yet, you demonstrate your love and that while we are wandering, you sent your son Jesus to die in our place, to experience separation, death, humiliation, anxiety, worry, pain, so that in him, death is put to death. Brokenness, shame, humiliation, anxiety, the effects of sin in all their horror 
has been nailed to the cross. And then victoriously, Jesus rose from the dead so that in him we can now go from death to life, broken to made whole, removed to reconciled, the good news of Jesus that shapes all of human history and even our lives. We respond and we pray now in the good news of Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen.